Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 160, episode one of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Monday, November 16th, 2020. Uh, what are we looking at? 66 days until January 20th? 65? 65 days until January 20th. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. And I say, Jay, yeah, 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 Jay, yeah, yeah, O-C-K, at O'Brien. Uh, that is courtesy of, I don't know, Miles told me about it a while ago, and then we lost track of it in the Discord. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know who came up with that one, and I will shut Or just at me in the episode. Discord, and I'll tell Jack who it was. Yeah, yeah. Either uh, Hey, I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! His sheets inside the White House bedroom, stinky, a Port Authority stall, ring, ring, ring that liquid out. Into a glass so you can chug it down. Whoa, oh, miss me with all the fascist bullshit. Eat me, I'm talking ass and all. Take your tiny hands, choke on your tan. If you don't like them, you can go back to your country. So miss me. Okay, thank you to right. Snarls wow. Markley. I mean, I that's Snarls. that's something else. That's something else. Yeah, uh, that was a opus. Yeah, if you beautiful. it's interesting. Snarls Barkley, there's the uh, the famous version on YouTube called Keys Me, where a Filipino beauty contestant is singing it, but her Tagalog accent creates a lot of new words. And oh, in the last line where it says, "Make the uh, the what are the fireflies dance? Silver moon is sparkling." She says, "Make the fireflies dance. Sylvie Moose is Barkley." <laughs> so kiss, me. and I was laughing at that part. So shout out to Snarls Barkley yeah, and that yeah. AK. Shout out to them. Uh, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the brilliant, the talented Ariel Duham Ross. Hey, hey, hey. hey, 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 hey. Welcome. <laughs> What's Bienvenue. Uh, things are good. I'm kind of sad that I don't have any kind of theme music prepared for you guys. I also am a little bit mad that I had to listen to that just now. <laughs> that was kind of painful, yeah. Miles especially. Um, yeah. oh, but wow. I guess thank you for that. Yeah. It's you're you're more than welcome. Uh, <laughs> this is what the listeners of our show put themselves through on the daily. Yeah, yeah. They are a hearty bunch. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they indulge us. It's like a it's an awful cycle where it's like, yeah. They suggest <laughs> they these AKAs. Um, here, here b- burn yourself up with this AKA. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Ariel, where are you coming to us from? Uh, I am currently sitting in my Brooklyn apartment. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, in my closet specifically, if we want to be like s- hyper specific, broadcast yeah, yeah. closet. I mean, it's sound treated. It's very. It, you look yeah. like you're an ISO. I tried. Right I tried. I have some moving blankets over here. I have mm-hmm. some phone panels on the other side. Got you know some a lamp so I can finally see what the heck I'm doing when I'm recording. It's good. Oh, yeah, you love to see it. You love to see it. You do kind of love to see it. What's the weather uh, like uh, in Brooklyn right now? Uh, kind of coldish, kind of rainy. Yeah. Okay. That's what it's like. It felt like last weekend, like, it was it warmer last weekend? 
Yeah. And because yeah. like, yeah, I feel like nice LA, because I was like, oh, here we go. It's 68 degrees. Bring out the beanies and down jackets. And then like everyone in New York was like, it's party time. Yeah. yeah. T-shirts, flip flops. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah. yeah. Opening up the uh, fire hydrants. The whole thing. <laughs> totally. Totally. That's exactly what happened last weekend. <laughs> uh, all right. We are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a few of the things we're talking about. Uh, we're going to talk about the continued uh, spike in COVID, uh, the spread uh, both outside of this administration and inside the administration among Corey Lewandowski. Uh, there are 130 Secret Service agents uh, quarantining right now. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Rand Paul. We're going to talk about Trump asking about using, you know, we, we only know what he's planning because he starts asking questions about it because <laughs> he doesn't really know how things yeah, work. How do I steal so this election? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so he asked about the, you know, a thing that people have been scared about for a while, the, that he would convince Republican state legislatures to send competing electors. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about why we're not pissing our bed quite yet. Uh, on that front, to make a reference back to Miles, aka, uh, we will talk about the first woman and first Asian American GM of a pro sports team. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, how it's never too early for the Biden administration to start fucking up. Uh, we'll talk about Disney. We'll talk. Miles will review some Netflix shows. Uh, I will talk about some new offerings from the Renaissance. Uh, that I, I don't know. He's been, he's been dropping music, uh, while we weren't looking and Mm -hmm. he, I think he must be doing this on purpose because he is locking down such a specific aesthetic of just like cheesiness, um, and bad lyricism that, uh, lyric writing that I, I, I just can't even express. So you're um, like Renner's on playing 4D chess right now? Yeah, I think he's playing 4D chess. <laughs> okay, uh, I like that. <laughs> uh, but first, Ariel, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Um, so two things have been in my search history quite a bit this week. Like I've like repeatedly searched for, for two specific things. One of them is is just random pictures of animal poop. There's a reason for this. <laughs> uh-huh. Seriously. Um, so I've been trying to identify what animal is pooping in my backyard in the same spot every night. Because Ooh. my dog has developed an affinity for eating said poop. Uh-huh. Um, and <laughs> it would be useful for me to know what animal so I know how to stop this animal from doing this in my yard every time. It's probably cat poop. And also, you're right. Like, and how much do I need to worry and the right. thing is, is that this, I don't, do you want me to dive yeah, into this? Because no. I can't, yes, I please, promise you I can't. Please. This is so a the thing is, is that this show. cat poop specifically is, um, is like kind of like oddly mushy. It doesn't really have a shape mm-hmm. and it's green. Mm-hmm. And so if it is cat poop and there are quite a few cats uh, who spend time in our yard, if it is cat poop, that probably indicates that this cat is sick, which means that I really need to get my Excuse, but I mean, this is apropos. I really need to get my shit together to, figure, right. to stop my dog from so eating this cat. Thing. Right. Yes. Um, so I've been trying to figure that out. I've been so I've been googling a lot of like pictures of like wildlife poop. Um, and here's the thing that's unfortunate about googling that is that for whatever reason, a lot of the guides are like drawings of poop as opposed to actual examples of the poop. 
Interesting. Which is infinitely frustrating to me. Yeah. Because yeah. you know what's not helpful? A like right. random outline of a poop. Squiggles. Right. You know, yeah. Like here's my not... artistic interpretation of the thing you're no, looking it's... for a scientific <laughs> diagram of. Yeah. It's really, really not helpful. And like I studied zoology for my undergrad, so like I'm not squeamish. Like I, I this is not a big deal for me. I just need to know yeah. what animal is responsible for this. Like I thought it was maybe like rabbit because green, but it's not like the right kind the of pellet size. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, whatever. So. Listen, I, I think I'm narrowed it down to like sick cat, um, yeah. which means well, that I need to like buy something to cover the area that's like kind of spiky so the cat won't squat there. Um, I haven't done wow. that yet, but okay. that's that's Google search I'm number also, one. What is, you know, if for someone who studied zoology, like what are the other possible wildlife in Brooklyn? You know what I mean? Like, because I feel like right. very quickly it's like it's <laughs> got to be a cat. Like, are there I don't know, like other, it could like, be a raccoon. Um, I I actually haven't specifically checked this out, but like maybe there are foxes, maybe there are rat, they're probably rabbits. Like, like the area I'm close to Queens, which is like, has like a little bit more green space around. Mm -hmm. Like it's possible, right? Like I also like, then that also means that there's like a hole in the fence if that's the case, because it has like a cement base. Anyways, I've like. That's a lot of problem solving you have to do. Yeah. So I've tried to figure out, and I'm like concerned if like I covered that specific, because at first I was going to do cayenne pepper, mm-hmm. and just like sprinkle it there, because like, you know, the smell of it would like get in their nostrils, but then you have to do that every day. Yeah. Hot sauce would be a similar thing. Um, so I think I've landed on like the the spiky mat, um, yeah. which means that my dog also won't be able to dig there, which is probably fine. But anyway, so. Or yeah. leave some stool hardener out. For the cats to eat in the neighborhood. Uh, see, I, but now you're now you're my treating them. Zoology part of yeah. me is like, no, mm, no that's don't, a terrible don't, idea, Miles. Don't like that, that is actually idea. a terrible idea. <laughs> As um, someone who has a cat who has you know, stool issues, I've had to try everything to solve it. But yeah, I remember my dog. I have a dog too who loves. To get down on some cat shit, and as yeah. uh, one of our our coworkers, Katie Golden, was saying, it's because of the fat content in it. Like, yeah, it's, so, it's like delicious yeah, because they dogs. they eat way more meat. Like yeah. their diet is way more meat heavy. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know, but she loves this stuff, and she parades it around, and she's so pleased <laughs> whenever she finds a piece of it. Like she's so oh, happy. Yeah, like, oh, look at me, I got the shit. <laughs> Chest out and, and it's, shit. It's yeah. really frustrating. So that's that's Google search number one. Google search number two, if you don't mind me giving an example. Yeah, please. Not monopolizing the time here, uh, no, is no, no. Uh, freezers for vaccines. So I've been like Googling different types of freezers. Negative 80. This, this, this Pfizer vaccine needs a minus 70 degrees Celsius Whoa. freezer, which is called like an ultra cold freezer. These co- freezers cost thousands of dollars. And like your average clinic will not have a freezer like that, right? So I've been trying to figure out how this like chain of operation is going to work and it's going to be complicated and people are going to have to work together which means that it's (laughs) going to go badly um so i've I've been googling freezers a lot isn't there already like a a run on those freezers on top of it like even if you wanted one i was reading that that, like it's hard they're even hard to obtain right now yeah so like rich hospitals are, are already trying to buy a bunch of these and ups FedEx, um, DHL are all trying to buy because they have freezer farms. Um, so they're all trying to like buy up a lot of freezers. So yeah, it's going to be a problem. The thing is, is that it's unclear whether these smaller clinics would be able to afford them at all. Right. Um, so hopefully, like I, I, I was going to tell you, I was talking to a researcher today who was telling me that um, 
she's trying to figure out how many of these freezers they have at her university so that they can loan out the space in the freezers, like the remaining space in the oh, freezer. And right, she's like right, compiled right. A, a specific number of cubic feet that they have available that they could loan out in her Jesus. state. So we're so, subletting freezer space for the good of humanity. Basically. Yeah. yeah. It's it's actually super interesting. I love these kinds of stories. I'm a science writer by by trade. Like that's what I do. Really? Um so I got really, really excited about the story, even though obviously it's a global pandemic and it's it's sad and terrible. Yeah. Um, I do find that specific aspect of it really interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been actually yeah. stocking up on the super freezers, uh, just like people were doing with the PS5s. <laughs> like, I just bought yeah, like and the heating lamps for, for yeah. outside. Yeah. You're yeah, just exactly. like one of those people, just stocking up on super freezers. Stocking $1, up on freezers. it, you know. This and guy's it's gonna come back. Gonna yeah, make some well, money. You got in trouble with the FBI for buying all those Lysol wipes. So <laughs> watch it, Jack. Watch it. But yeah, uh, that story was, I remember when they were first talking about vaccines over the summer and how most likely they're going to have to be frozen or kept very cold to move around. And I'm like, I yeah. already can envision the stories of trailerfuls yeah. of vaccine going bad because of X, Y, and Yeah, Z I mean, that issue. could definitely happen. Crumbling the, infrastructure. Yeah. Right. The the good news is that um, the other freezers, the other freezers, the other vaccines that are in the works right now from companies like AstraZeneca and Moderna do not need these these super intense freezers but like because Pfizer appears to be ahead of the pack right now we'll see if it gets an FDA authorization it it it, it like creates a logistical issue right off the bat that could mean that certain areas more rural areas mm-hmm. areas that don't have these fancy schmancy hospitals could uh could see a significant delay in terms of their access to a vaccine and and like that's going to suck to put it plainly yeah do do they make these vaccines at some central location and then have to ship them out? Or will people be making the vaccines like at the hospital and be able to store them there? Or how, how does that? Yeah, work? it's more of a central location thing because you need to have a highly specialized area. Right. Um, and these vaccines, even though they haven't been authorized by the FDA yet, they are already in production right now. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not like something that you can like whip up in the back of your clinic and just like administer. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Yeah, not mine. I've been told that. Yeah, I yeah. specifically <laughs> should not try. Uh, what oh, is yeah, something you're you think is mixing emergency with diet coke? <laughs> weird, very weird concoction. That's good. Uh, better, better, better than you would think. Uh, it's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what is something you think is overrated? Um, so I am actually so glad that you brought up things like emergency, because mm. what I think is super overrated is like the term healthy food or like just diets, broadly speaking, and especially and like administering vitamins that are not prescribed by a doctor because you don't you don't know if you even have a, a deficiency or not. Um, mm-hmm. All of those things are just like highly overrated. Like you a lot of the things there is no such thing as a healthy food. There's nothing wrong with eating something that's sugary or that has a lot of fat. It you just need to have a balanced diet and it's like the frequency of these things, right? Right. And like honestly, like kind of whatever. It's we we know that the way that people lose weight is through have restricting not overeating. It doesn't necessarily have something to do with the types of foods that you are eating. Um and it's just oh, diet culture, man. Overrated. Right. Yeah. Enough. And just the language that we use that can sort of 
mess up our ideas or like how we even perceive those things for sure yeah yeah i mean i think it's just really it really it really screws people up um and i just like i i am like extremely over talking about my body other people talking about their bodies and um and just like competing with each other about this stuff it's just not helpful yeah, it's it's weird. It's something that comes up too. like last week we had a guest on where we we're talking about just like in quarantine, like the idea of people just not caring about their physical appearance in terms of like aesthetic exercise. Right. Or people sure. like really putting the time in to like get super aesthetically cut up and shit like that. And yeah, like it's it, it's it's funny how even in a time like this, like those things sort of start seeping into our heads where even though we're at home and most yeah. of us are so isolated, we're still like finding ways of yeah, and you might be feeling doing? guilty because you're seeing this other person like looking real cut in quarantine or something like that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I mean that's a problem. Like, I don't get me wrong. I I lift. I um, I used to power lift before the pandemic, um, oh, but shoot. I do it okay. to be strong, right? Yeah, like, right, I right. love the feeling, and it's the only way. Like, it's one of the only things that makes me feel like in my body and super grounded. Um, is just lifting heavy shit. So yeah. Yeah. That's like moving stuff around, like lifting boxes and shit. Like I could do that like Nathan for you, that joke episode where there was a whole workout routine about just moving shit from someone's house <laughs> to another one. I'm like, yeah, I could do that all day. Right. It's just something you feel good. Like, yeah, let me get this box. Let me do this. But yeah. All right. Next time I move, thing. I'm going to be calling you, Miles. You can yeah, you know, free. hop on a plane. <laughs> yeah. Great. No problem. No problem. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> what is something you think is underrated? Uh, the answer is, is specifically tied to my dog, which is that I think chihuahuas are very much underrated. Um, I have an eight pound black chihuahua and they get a really bad rap. And that's because most people who own chihuahuas aren't very good at training them. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but she's amazing. She hikes eight miles with me. Well, eight pound body hikes will like do eight miles. I'm tired at the end of it. And she's like, no, I'm still ready to go. Wow. She's super trainable. She, I've recently taught her to uh, put away her toys. I, I have to do each individually. What? But she will like, I say like, take it. She'll take it. And I point to the basket where we put her toys and she'll drop it in there. Like, these dogs are amazing and I don't know why they get hated on so much. It's it's really unfortunate. I, I So you, I'm sure, <laughs> as someone who like loves already, you've confessed you are into zoology. So yes. as a part of you being like, I can make this work. Like I know enough about all this because I think I can make any of it work. Yeah, right. Because I feel like a lot of people just sort of get if they're not used to training a dog or like how that works or something. Like they give up very easily, and then you get the runaway train effect where it's like I don't know. I think my chihuahua's in here. I don't know. Check or is (laughs) is everything ripped up? Oh yeah, the dog's in here then. Or like like oh they shit on your pillow that you were sleeping on. Oh Oh, that's weird. Uh, but yeah, it's. Do you get like what are you using like a clicker method and just treat positive For, reinforcement? How do you? What's, yeah, what's to the... teach her a new treat, a new trick, I will generally use a clicker because she actually responds relatively well to it. Okay. Um, she's not one of those dogs where you can just like you could, you can show them a thing and then they'll they'll mimic you. Like there are sure, like, sure. super dogs that can do that. She's not like that. Um, but the clicker works well with her, and uh, yeah, just catching the trick. So if she does something that I want her, that I like then I will praise her like crazy. Like it's a it's a party in this right, apartment right. if she does something great. <laughs> and right. then she'll figure it out and she'll try to to recreate that moment. And then you, Unless it's you eating praise cat that shit. more. Yeah. 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 I if you could see the amount of just 
uh, toys around me right now. I, I could use, I, I'm taking notes right now for how to train my <laughs> two and four year old to, yeah. to do two and four old what humans. you're humans. Yeah. 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 No, um, I, I, cause actually I was talking to my wife yesterday about how, like, as far as like catching a trick and then praising a specific behavior, yeah. like it is actually quite similar with, with very young children, right? Like you praise them when they do something that's really good and you just like catch them in the act and they try and recreate it because they know it's a good thing. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that stops working after a while, but when they're right, young. Yeah. Or you yeah. reinforce the wrong behaviors that you take into adulthood and you're like, right. oh, I meant to be passive around this kind of person because right. that's how right. I was being like, oh, good for you. If someone tells you to right. come here and, you know, do you do that? That's okay. The other thing I want to know about chihuahuas is I I like chihuahuas, but their big ass skulls uh, <laughs> kind of freak me out. Like I'm always looking at them, like yo, yeah, what the is dome up? skull. Yeah, like yeah, what's yeah, yeah. up with your skull piece, chihuahua? Yeah, it's weird. She actually so there are two types of chihuahuas. Okay, she's she's not a purebred. She's a rescue from Texas. Um, but there are two types of chihuahuas. One has like a dome skull, and the other one has more of like a flat skull. So mm-hmm. she's a a flat skull. Chihuahua. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I I agree with you. The dome the dome skull is weird. No, you know, no shade to dome skulls, you know, but <laughs> for me, maybe not my cup of tea. Yeah. No, I I get you. I feel you. Yeah, it's just something. It looks uncomfortable, like when you see like the sh- trembling chihuahuas that have like the dome oh, yeah. skull, because you're like, is oh, your yeah. head about to explode? Is yeah. that why you're shaking? Because that's <laughs> yeah. what it looks like to me. So I will tell you that the trembling is one major downside of this particular t- animal. Like. She does it all the time if she's stressed out, if she's cold, which is a lot of the time she will she will shake. And that I do like kind of wish that wasn't a thing that she did. Um, well, but you know. you know what? I'm cold all the time, too. So if, if I'm cold, I know she's cold. So we, we help each other right. out, you know? Yeah. There we you alert go. each other to this environmental problem that we're facing. She's probably thinking about you. She's like, oh, every time I get in her arms, so cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about the news. And we're back. Yeah, so we are in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. Have you guys heard about this? Another surge? Uh, No. uh, Yeah, surge. uh, Continued surge. Uh, I don't know that they're, it's breaking down into distinct waves at this point. It just seems like it's popping off in different places quite a bit right now. But it, one place in particular it is popping off is within the Trump administration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Everybody has come through. Uh, Mark Meadows, chief of staff, tested positive. Ben Carson tested positive. Corey Lewandowski tested positive. Uh, and now the latest news over the weekend was that over 130 Secret Service officers have been quarantining or isolating due to a positive test themselves or for being in close contact to a coworker that had tested positive. That's like yep. roughly 10 percent of the agency's core security team from what the reports are. So 10 percent mm. because of all the insisting on like well, COVID isn't real. Uh, is now having this effect of the people that are in charge of protecting them, like this recklessness around them is now being like, okay, well, now we've we've kneecapped our capacity by about 10%. The, you know, a lot of people were pointing to 
the uh, like the rallies as a huge contributing factor because again those are huge maskless events with no social distancing so like most people who accept the science around and go yeah you don't want to do that and then couple that with all of the indoor events that are going mm-hmm. on too with them where it's maskless indoors no social distancing a lot of hooting and hollering and yes there's just increased added risk Do we know if these Secret Service agents are being told specifically not to wear a mask? Like, is that a directive that they are getting? Because that just feels particularly like that feels like negligence to me. That feels like particularly awful. We do have anecdotes where Trump specifically shames people for wearing masks around him. So I right, so it might be an unofficial guidance, right? Exactly. Yeah, in the. in the photos, you'll it's a mix. Like sometimes you'll the Secret Service is wearing a mask and other times they're not. So right. I don't know. It almost seems like how close you are to the president. Like you'll see like the people who are maybe on the perimeters that look like Secret Service are masked up. And then you see photos of like the president walking through somewhere and his like super close detail is maskless. So right. yeah, it's the opposite and, of how it should be. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You would think it yes, exactly. Because right. the idea of wearing a mask is like, let's protect the president, right? Yeah. Yeah. But mm. and yeah. even then, like, you know, we the, the the beginnings was that awful, awful photo op when he decided to do the hermetically sealed drive around Walter yeah. Reed with yeah. his security detail in the car when he is in the midst of struggling through his COVID infection. Yes. Uh so I don't know, man. Like I, I I'm who knows, like, the kinds of memoirs that are going to come out from these people. But, like, God, like, it's got to be even worse. And you're like, dude, my job is to protect people who are trying to fucking, who literally don't give a fuck if I live or die. Like, it's a weird, right. weird dynamic going on here. Right. The fact that their job is to be willing to take a bullet for him. And, like, he, I'm shocked that he hasn't more taken advantage of that and, like, had people shoot at him to just like dangle his power of having a secret service, <laughs> secret service detail in front of people. That see guy that? had to do that. It's got to die for me. He's I fine can, though. He's got a best time. I, want. I mean, um, the thing with when it comes to COVID is that he is the bullet, right? Like right. he's the bullet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. What do you do when you're the principal that you're supposed to be protecting is also the threat to everyone's safety simultaneously? Yeah. Also, this uh, just revealed a very stupid myth that I always had in my head. I didn't realize how many Secret Service agents there were. I was like, 130, that's got to be all of them, right? That's, <laughs> no that's got to be. Yeah, right, right, right. yeah, yeah. I thought there were right. just the six that are always around him, like in uh, in the line of fire, right? Um, you There's know. Bill, Rick, uh, <laughs> yeah, wraparound a... shades, mustache, and <laughs> right. the other guy. They don't look that different from one another. They all have kind of the same gear on. So I just assumed it was like a, a small gang. That uh, yeah. protected the president. Well, but that so, makes well, sense it is that a small thirteen hundred of them. I mean, yeah. they they were born out of the Pinkertons. Yeah, yeah. You know, of so course. like it is a it is an interesting evolution of the guy who is like, yeah, I created a corporate police gang to like help fight people who are fighting for like labor rights and also protect yeah. the president. Now we'll pivot into that now. Yeah, after the Lincoln assassination, very fitting. Like, we very should fitting. probably. Have Who should we get? Oh, get more. Pinkerton. That guy's got a, he's got a bunch <laughs> of goons on payroll. That dude's wild. Let's talk about Rand Paul. I mean, this is this just seems to be ideologically like really going around on the on the right. But Rand Paul uh, is demanding that we get get this country back to work, folks. Yeah, just 
you know, throw, I don't, again, we're every day people are separating themselves more and more from reality. And I'm not sure like where this goes uh, aside from like the, I don't know, over time, you're like, well, it was an evolutionary trait that conservatives subtly washed themselves out of the gene pool because they didn't believe in science or illnesses. Uh, but he went on Fox to assure people, that, I don't know, just this is, it's just, a, first of all, I don't even need to give a caveat, but this is straight bullshit. But he's screaming this on Fox. But the other thing is, is we have 11 million people in our country who have already had COVID. We should tell them to celebrate. We should tell them to throw away their masks, go to restaurants, live again, because these people are now immune. I'm just going to stop that there because it's that's deeply not Deeply wrong. <laughs> just incorrect. Yeah. I well, mean, almost immediately on MSNBC, they had Dr. Vin Gupta on just to completely debunk that. So just again, just so you can hear from a doctor, uh, completely debunk that. Here's what an expert from the University of Washington Health Metrics Sciences Department has to say. I don't know why he would say that. For your viewers out there to correct misinformation, there is no evidence that if you've been infected with COVID-19 that you're immune from reinfection for any period of time. We have a 25-year-old in Nevada, otherwise healthy within six weeks of his first infection, got reinfected, had more severe symptoms the second time around. So that is shameful on the part of Senator Rand Paul. He has so, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's Yeah, in fact, the CDC actually is recommending that once the vaccine is available, that people who have had COVID-19 should still get vaccinated because vaccines actually, like, depending on how infected you were with COVID-19, um, vaccines can actually, like, convey actually, like, better immunity often. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's really terrible that he said that. I don't, it's so weird, right? Like, you know, they're, like, sort of the hypotheticals about how you can't shout fire in a crowded theater you know, and cause a, a commotion that could lead to people injuring themselves. Yet it's okay to shout shit that verifiably is going to cost people their lives. Like, oh, no COVID, man. Just toss your masks yeah. away because you've had COVID. And you can say that on national fucking TV. And we're still like, hi, what do we do here? I, I, I yeah. guess if you watch Fox, you're uh, sorry. Like, I don't know. Like at a certain point there, we have to be able to rein this kind of misinformation and because it truly is like you there's so many people who even I, I like people who are are not conservative hear this kind of like bullshit misinformation to whatever help them feel like they can go outside again you're like oh my god where did you hear that that's not true just because you right. had it you doesn't mean you can't get it again and i don't the people have this like chicken pox idea of like what covid is or something yeah, I mean, it would have been ideal if, um, and to be clear, I've only listened to that one specific clip. I don't even know who was conducting the interview, and I don't know what happened after that. But it, in the moment, it would have been really nice for somebody to stop him and correct him, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, but not rather than just being like, okay, thanks, Rand Paul, uh, being like, hold, yeah. I mean, th there's we're barely seeing that now. Like, only in the last week have we seen the media, like, interrupt some kind of misinformation like mid breath to be like, okay, okay, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I, that's not I gonna think, happen on Fox. I think the thing that's been nice about at least nice, it, you know, we're still during global pandemic, but I, I do think that journalists broadly have gotten much better at reporting on science. But when it comes to something like this, like, yeah, interrupt the dude, man, just, just say that's not true because it's not. Right. And you should know that by now, regardless of whether you're trained in science reporting or not. Yeah. Um, but again, I did not see the rest of that clip. So 
Sure. And of course, you're a legitimate journalist, so you can't, you're not right. out here with a spice <laughs> takes like two scumbags like us on microphone, which we That's appreciate right. you class up the joint. <laughs> Just want to catch what I'm saying here, you know? Of totally. No, 100%. And that's that's why we we respect journalists like you who take the craft very seriously with respect. But yeah, with this, it almost seems like they're not journalists, right? It's just more like, okay, we're on the side of just not pushing back against that because here we're tying this idea to, of being safe with COVID to fucking up the corporate overlords' profits. And what channel was he on when he said that? Fox, baby. Yeah. It's wild because you you brought up like the philosophical and like, you know, overarching legal precedent of like the shouting fire in a crowded theater is against the law. But like Samuel Alito just gave a speech to the Federalist Society. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, tune in for some great takes, but was talking about how the speech being limited and like the unimaginable curbs on people's liberty during the pandemic. Uh, Like it was so wild how he was treating people asking Americans to uh, quarantine and to not say things that were anti-scientific and would lead to people's deaths as like unimaginable curbs on liberty. Well, I mean, uh, but look at it very uh, by the words I'm using. I mean, you're stopping people from doing things. That is a curb to their liberty. But yeah, maybe it is safe for people, but you can't deny that we are. Like, I think that's just a weird fucking loops they want to play yeah. without being like, I'm not denying science, but you also can't deny telling people to do this is technically curbing their freedoms. And that's going to allow millions of people to go in the street and just treat this as like, you can't oppress me. It's like, no, yeah. that's not what the fuck is going on. Yeah, so much of this comes down to, like, the individualistic nature of Americans, broadly speaking. I'm Canadian, so, you know. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for debasing yourself Uh, and coming. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so much of this is the individuality thing. Like, it is hard for me sometimes to understand why the idea of helping your your fellow human, helping people and and, um, working together seems, like, so complicated for for some folks here. It just... it does boggle my boggle the mind a little bit. We've just been chugging this bootstraps bullshit mythology forever yeah. to yep. the point where it can't it to the point where it's played out to the, its most extreme form, which is yo, don't fucking help him. They got right. bootstraps. Don't fucking help them. They got yeah. nobody's no, no, no. You get your fucking you got your own bootstraps. That's right. What yeah. we it's do the here. only way you prove your self worth, and and if yeah. you do, and if you do fail, it is absolutely one hundred percent always your fault, and your nothing fault. else could have possibly impacted whether you were able to succeed or not. Um, oh, oh. And it is it's just a way of controlling people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, in a way to just always keep the emphasis on yourself and never like. But what about the people that are actually creating the environment in which I'm right. trying to operate in? Because. Right. There's another layer of control, power, influence that we are that most people do not have a hand in, and still thinking like, "Oh man, my damn bootstraps failed." Rather than like, "No nah, man, systemic racism has me in a fucking box that I cannot get out of," or "De facto white supremacy has me in a box that I cannot get out of." Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's it is really hard to see too because I'm half Japanese, and on the other side of it. All I know is to consider other people or right. like almost to my own detriment, like to yeah, overextend yeah, yeah, no, myself totally. because I don't do not want to inconvenience someone else, especially if I can do something to make it easier for other people. And it is like hard to even reconcile those because I'm being like 
I I also Competing see how cultures. people think here too. Not that I'm like I believe that, but I understand like that path. But at a certain point, you got to be able to be like, no nah, man, shit is not your fault. Like the, the way shit gets better is like when you actually fucking look at the people who are actually in control here, rather than like putting laying the blame always on yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other uh, thing that he raised, or one of the other things that Alito raised in his Federalist Society uh, commentary was how uh, conservatives and Christians are being uh, discriminated against and used the homophobic cake shop owner in Colorado as like an example where he thinks that like morality is being uh, enforced against Christians. So it's like he... Yeah, it's complete double standard, complete just to the highest level of the conservative movement and, you know, the highest level of the of the US government is just being infiltrated by this this ideology of hate and unless it's their dumbass like anti-scientific beliefs in which case they need to be protected. Um right. yeah. One thing that I mean speaking of the Supreme Court uh, the New York Times reported that the president has been asking around and saying that he has to wait and see uh, about whether uh, the states are going to certify their votes or how they're going to approach that um, before he admits defeat, um, which is a step in the process that people have been kind of worried about since before the election that right. he could work with Republican state legislatures to basically claim that the election was stolen from him and then send a competing batch of electors who would then create a constitutional crisis because you would have, uh, there's not like a clear answer of who would uh, have the right to cast the votes for that state uh, that would go to the Supreme Court, which I think is where some of his earlier, it'll probably go to the Supreme Court, we'll see, um, statements were coming from. And, you know, the the good news is that so far, it doesn't seem like any states are taking that, uh, taking the steps to kind of go along with, with that possibility. Um, but this... This statement, the speech that Alito gave really does not make me very hopeful for well, uh, anything know, going before the Supreme Court. The the writing's on the wall, you know. I think it's we're only gonna see like worse shit out of the conservatives as you know, the the numbers dwindle and they become more and more of a mathematical minority that they're gonna have to like resort to this kind of like language and takes to be like, Come on, y'all, like the whiteness is on the line. Like this but we'll 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 couch it in this other language. And I mean, the the other thing that we can only feel good about is like you're saying there are every like the legal arguments they even raise in court, like the judges are even confused as to yeah. what they're they're presenting. Like when you read the transcripts, they're like, so you're saying like, I don't understand, like you've got fake evidence here, but you auto sourced it. Like, how do you how can I admit this as evidence? Like, well, we used a capture. So anyone who submitted a whistleblower complaint had to verify they were human. It's like, yeah, but you have things that are like outright like nonsense in here too. And like, all right, well, we'll, we'll talk about that. And you have like, even like the law firms who are uh, representing Trump in Pennsylvania, like they're pulling out because they, it shit just got so weird when like Giuliani claimed one of the whistleblowers was like a regular person. It was actually an attorney for the law firm. And they're like, okay, we're, we can't do this shit anymore. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it's not like they're going about this in any kind of competent way, right? This yeah. is not actually, like, they really could have planned this out if they had wanted to, because President Trump has been talking about this for a very long time. Yeah. But they didn't. And it, it seems very kind of piecemeal, like, let's kind of put this together. And it's it's not being executed in any way that feels um, thought through in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Like, the nefarious version is they were planning this from, like, 2018. You know, after the midterms, like, okay, we're just going to have to fully figure out how to just ensure no matter what happens that we can do it. But I think this it's just so slapdash. And now even in Michigan, the the leaders of the state legislature there who are Republicans, they have said publicly like they're not going to fuck around. They're saying right. once the once the election is certified, the popular vote, it's certified like the electors will go to the winner of the popular vote, which will be Joe Biden. So they're just like, like once it's certified, sure, we're not going to we'll we'll still say it's not certified or whatever. But they're like the electors saying like, no, like there's no there's no interest in that um, because it just it's completely at, at a certain level. Like there are some conservatives who are like, yeah, but that's kind of like the deal here. It's like unless you can do like sort of more cynical voter suppression to try and eke out at like margins, we can't go this far to be like, ah, oh, no, this didn't happen. So some institutions are holding uh and but i mean i don't think you can blame the republicans uh for not wanting to thwart the law because like the best that like gop operatives can do to like create whistleblowers like especially in michigan there's this clip i'm just gonna play of someone who they paraded out on fox who you know was apparently worked for dominion or was hired by dominion as some kind of like it person on the day but it's just, I'm not even sure what this person is trying to say. I think what they're trying to talk about, this is on Lou Dobbs' show, like why there were vans in Michigan that suddenly, like, what were these vans that were there? And j I don't, just try and keep up um, with this low energy con job. Um, so I worked a 24-hour shift. Um, I started at 6 a.m. and I got off at 6 p.m. or 6 a.m. Uh, the next day. Um, so I started at 6 a.m. November 3rd got off at 6 a.m. November 4th. So I was there during their day shift and their night shift. Um, the city provides the workers with food for their shift. Well, they only had enough food for right. one third of their workers. Right. So that is the reason why they were claiming that these vans were, were brought in. But these vans did not have food it, it, the, taken out of them. And the vans, the vans that showed up, uh, they were supposed to be filled with food. What did what did they have in them? Do you know? I never saw anything being brought out of the vans. I know that whatever was being brought out of the vans was being brought out of the back of the vans. But um, I was Very not allowed suspicious. over in that area at all. Okay, so it's definitely. On. What? They're like, you gotta do better than this. Not somebody who match, baby. Hold on. First of all, who works a twenty-four hour shift? Um, like, yeah, I mean, illegally people would, but like, I, I had to do the six a.m. to six a.m. shift, and then mm. like the main thing is like, and they only had food for one third of the people. Therefore, a van came. But they weren't opening. They, I don't think they took anything out the back. Maybe the passenger side door. I don't know. 
but I don't know. I don't know what the van. It's like it's so. I don't even know what the arc is of this story. I mean, all I can think. Listen, I've I've worked in TV. I still work in TV. I'm a correspondent for Vice News. I I don't. Who pre-interviewed this person? Like, right. <laughs> that's my question. What did uh, Lou Dobbs like, normally think you was get somebody going on TV, to be Like said. a producer will pre-interview and like prep the person to get ready to like tell their story. And like this is like the least convincing way that I would tell that story. And frankly, I don't know if there's a convincing way to tell it. But like, uh, mm. yeah, it's it, like because especially for something as massively important, if you're going to you know create some semblance of legitimacy to this clearly just nonsense like lie like yeah get that shit rehearsed rather than let them meander and like lou dobbs is also not like nimble enough to like interject to keep it going like letting her trail off and he's like so there was no food <laughs> and there were vans yeah yeah huh okay <laughs> fuck what, so, what, what are we what are we supposed to say now like right. so therefore what so what are you saying yeah that was confusing it seemed like the person who had prepped him for what was going to be revealed was whoever like writes the promos and was like and a earth-shattering revelation coming and then he like didn't know that it was just going to be that they didn't that there was food or not food coming from a van and he was just like confused it seemed like yeah mm. i don't know i i'd, I'd fire my producers yeah Lou Dobbs. Uh, to be clear, I'm not advocating foolish. for anybody getting fired during I know a pandemic. you're not. You're not. <laughs> okay. You're not. <laughs> I'm a soulless ghoul, and oh. I think they should have their jobs, too, <laughs> because they made that shit look so dumb that it actually helped out. So yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you, producers, you, please, for doing please. your job by not by doing a pre-interview. Nobody by in the Trump a- administration should be fired. Uh, everybody should keep <laughs> their job right up until their ass is kicked out of power. Uh, All right, let's take another break and we'll come back and talk about some bullshit. And we're back. And uh, what's the latest? We haven't heard from Disney in a while, Miles. What's going on there? They're fucking crying. Mouse Gang is crying their eyes out because their money's going down. Uh, They had like a meeting or some online thing and they said you know in the state of california they're very mad because they want disneyland to be open okay okay is it that hard they said we are quote we are very disappointed that the state of california continues to keep disneyland closed this is the disney ceo bob chapik or whatever however you say that and he called the uh, pandemic guidelines in the state quote arbitrary uh and then being like because you know we've been able to open disney world in Orlando, so why can't we do that? Just because there there seems to be some kind of pandemic going on, I still don't understand. They let us do it in Florida, and there's now a group of mayors who sent a letter to Gavin Newsom in California being like, open Universal Studios and open Disneyland, or people will lose their jobs. And it's I, I like that there's always like this threat of people being like laid off rather than like, hi, since... Like, rather than being like, okay, here's the deal. Since we're not willing to do right by our, our employees as this multinational right. billion billions dollar company, uh, Gavin Newsom, Gavin Newsom has given us no choice but to lay people off in order to not upset the people that are holding on to our stock at the moment. That's sort of what is going on here. And I don't know. Despite all of this, like boohoo shit, like they they've actually 
made a lot of money from Disney Plus subscriptions. So it all rings like very fucking corporate Crimea River nonsense. But like it's I, there are people, though, who are even protesting, like who aren't who are just Disney fans uh, to reopen Disneyland. It's all very, very uh, American. Very American, yeah. Who are like people protesting on behalf I wasn't gonna of? Say it. No, yeah, no, one hundred percent. It's it's a very uniquely American uh, dilemma. So protesting I, I on know. behalf of corporations to let them kill you. Um, yeah, is yeah. That's it's really hard to make a convincing ar- a convincing argument for this. You know, it's it's from what it, has hasn't Disney been in trouble in the past for not paying its employees well at these at these amusement parks at all mm-hmm. right like i'm not sure that that you know given their history i'm not sure that i would threaten to fire them because and basically throw a tantrum right, right. uh and and blame it on the governor it just doesn't seem like a good tactic to me so yeah. on the one hand yes they don't pay them well and yes, they do endanger their lives or at least argue for the ability to. But on the other hand, they do call them cast members instead of mm. employees. So Or wage slaves. Yeah. Yes. Which would be more appropriate. They're yeah. cast members. Cast <laughs> members. So could you imagine like God, he's using such euphemistic language like that? Like, oh, and those are yeah. cast members who are currently begging you for help. Yes. Uh, but don't mind them. Uh oh, I guess tears are coming out of that Mickey Mouse mask. <laughs> uh the like the it, it, yeah. Well, it's it's America and it's but it's the same tact that like a lot of people use who are in industries where corporations are willing to ship jobs abroad is go, oh, it's not me that made the selfish choice to just ship your job abroad where the margins are greater for me from a profit standpoint. It's these immigrants. And then they're like, yeah, that's right. It wasn't my boss who was underpaying me and never actually stood up for me. It's this guy he said to blame, this nebulous group, immigrants. And I think this helps for the narrative of like the same company about starting to put this at the feet of Gavin Newsom rather than Mm. themselves. You know, like that's what this is always about. It's like, well, it's not us. We're not being greedy because you get it. If we if we start taking hits to our profits, then like, what are we? (laughs) Right. Uh, a, A less profitable company. God, God forbid. Yes. All right. Another story that we've kind of lost sight of tragically you know, while the election and the pandemic are going on, uh, we lost sight of the Renaissance, the Jeremy Renner, Renner career renaissance, uh, his emerging as a musical talent uh, in into our world. And I, I just wanted to check in because uh, somebody from the Zeit gang called to our attention that he was dropping a video uh, in the next, I think it was at the end of last week, that was a lyric video, and he's dropped a bunch of songs since Heaven Don't Got a Name, which got a lot of attention. Heaven, Is it Heaven Don't Got a Name? Heaven Ain't Got a Name? Heaven Don't I don't know. Yeah. Ain't or Don't Got, either one. His Hopefully. lyrical prowess, I'm kind of blown away by what what he has continued to do, because he has really doubled down on the aesthetic of like meaninglessness and like early 90s like emo macho bravado like weird (laughs) cheesiness i love that you struggle to like pinpoint like where his creative center is you know right so his he's got (laughs) he's really uh into using metaphors to describe uh relationships uh his newest song that just dropped 
that had the lyric video drop at the end of last week was a uh, stereo love. Uh, and the, in case you're can't guess what the metaphor is there, uh, I'll just read you a couple of lyrics. She speaks to okay. me just like a song, mm-hmm. her words, a melody. I can sing along. Her symphony is so sweet. I can't believe her sound. She's my stereo love. Uh, life's in key, the right arrangement. Her tempo's fine with me, and she loves my phrasing. That's my favorite uh, line, by the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. loves my phrasing. Let her conduct and cue my choir. We're both in harmony. She's my stereo love. So, he, so some of his other metaphor, yes, very lyrically complex. Some of his other metaphor-based songs, uh, Love is a War, and mm. some lyrics from that. Landmine, frontline, we're soldiers. When did love become a war? Bullets shot through the floor because love is a war. And also, she's a fire. (laughs) I know she's going to be my third degree. Embers in her eyes. She's going to make a mess of me. She lights me up with her flames. So bright. She's a fire. So don't get close. She'll kill you slow, which isn't a thing. that Like a slow burn? Is that what it is? She'll kill you slow? I think so, but like know. fire in and of itself is not a slow acting thing. So hot there's smoke. Uh, she's a fire. Stop, drop, and oh. roll. On and on. She burns the night. And then another song that's come out in the since we last checked him uh, with his recording career is a song called Sippy Cup, uh, which <laughs> is a song that seems to be about two hungover people. Uh, getting drunk together to cure a hangover while drinking out of an actual sippy cup. So it's more of a conceptual At least there's some track. storytelling there. You know what? <laughs> yeah. Extra points for storytelling. But That's very specific. It is, but he doesn't... I, I get the sense he doesn't know what a sippy cup is um, because he's just... <laughs> He's just referring to a cup that he's taking sips out of and calling it a sippy cup. Oh, I see. Yeah, oh, he thinks okay. it's just a fun, flirty way to say a cup you sip out of, I think, is like, my sippy cup. Uh, it's His fun and flirty song about being hungover and curing that with yeah, more booze? Yeah, sure. with more booze, sure, sure, exactly. Sure. Well, as we know, Heaven Don't Got a Name, so. But I, I feel like this might be, like his, the character he's been cultivating is this very specific wildly improbable version of like, I don't know. It reminds me of like a, a person from a Canadian nineties, like teen don't, movie. Don't knock Canada. You why know you, those movies from Canada that are that? Going a little we too much hard on the America lot. bashing. Yeah. <laughs> we gave you Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. We That's gave you Sandra. Oh, we gave yeah. you fucking Jay Baruchel. We yeah. gave you Eugene Levy. Like, what are you doing? I'm just saying the the movies. And we ruined always, them. When I go, when I have been to Canada and like turned on HBO, there, it's like a whole different version. Oh yeah, we're like we're like five years behind forever. Yeah. And there's also yes. like different movies that are like well produced and look like oh yeah, that's a that's a movie. Why haven't I heard of this? Uh, and it's just like a whole different universe of movies that exist in. Uh, Canada that are like 
produced by the Canadian or with the help of the that, Canadian government. That's correct. Uh, subsidizing for the arts is uh, substantial and sometimes yeah. some very bad things. <laughs> yeah. And also some good things. That's too, all I'm though. saying. Right. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll allow sure. it. Fine. Thank you for explaining. <laughs> I'm glad that you actually have some background and some context. And yeah, some yeah. Knowledge. No. That makes me I, feel a little bit better about your hot 90s Canadian <laughs> take. There's, uh, but. I do wonder, like, if he is going for that. Like, it's so synthetic and so, like, fake that I just he's an I odd wonder. One. He's uh, yeah, as my mom would say, he's an odd one. He's <laughs> that, an odd one. That might be I mean, where he, it's best left at. I'll keep ta- I'll keep t- talking about this, but like, for my mom votes in the Golden Globes, and like sometimes people who are nominated will like begin sending holiday cards, like just to kind of keep stay in the good graces of the voting, the voters of the golden globes that way. Like, like army hammer will always send a card every year. Uh, and Jeremy Renner would for a while. Army hammers looked like a family photo. It's him, his wife, his children, they're smiling. Uh, Jeremy Renner's was him in his living room with his hand in his pocket, standing in front of like a wall, like not even smiling. And it said like, <laughs> happy holidays. And it was like, there yeah, was but nothing you remembered visually. It, yeah, I, it, I guess in your so. Mind, you remember his name because I got to say, I got I kind of had to Google this guy. Right. Oh, really? That makes sense. Yeah. I which I'm not super proud of because I feel like I should have known who Jeremy Renner is. I don't know. I, in reason, a way, I was like, I'm like. That's kind of the coolest shit I ever heard. Someone be like, you know, I don't really know who the fuck. I don't even know who that's dope. Like this person has their attention. I I was like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's right. Hurt Locker face. Right. It's he has he had a very interesting career because he like after Hurt Locker, he was nominated. He had a really strong supporting role in the town, and then Hollywood was like, this is the next dude. And they like hired him to be to replace Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible movies, and they hired him to replace Matt Damon in the Bourne movies. And in the Bourne movies, they made one with him as J- as like Jason Bourne uh, heir apparent, and people were just like, eh, no, not really. Right? Like it was just. And then they went back to Matt Damon immediately after in the Mission Impossible movies. Like he came on as a co star. But they like Tom Cruise just through sheer tyranny of will, just like was not willing to let it happen. And he just like kind of went away and it just like never happened. In that battle between two aliens, I I put my money on Tom Cruise's powers, his alien powers over Renner. The interviews with Renner are so interesting because he just seems like a loosely cobbled together assemblage of anecdotes that he heard about humans. Like he's a, (laughs) he's a house flipper. He's like, I'm a pacifist. I never fight. But in that same interview, he tells the story about how a guy made fun of his scarf. And so he, and then shoved his sister. And so he got behind him and choked him out, put him to sleep. Whoa, uh, okay. Yeah. Listen, nobody likes getting shoved, especially when it's your family member. I get it, but joking. It's yeah. so wild. Put He's... him to sleep. That sounds like a story. Sleep. That sounds like when I used to take Krav Maga and the instructors would try and pretend it was a, a scenario in which you're defending yourself, but you assaulted somebody. <laughs> when it's like, I don't know, maybe he like, what? He shoved your sister? 
Oh, you're no, gonna man. have to choke. No, no, no. You made a mistake. Like that's so you how get behind him, you choke him out. You put yeah, him you to choke sleep. him out. Like because he's proud. Like he's like proud of that shit at the end. He's like, yeah, man. So I got behind, him, choked him out, put him to sleep. Like, yeah. okay, so now you're toxic, big dick guy. But before you're the pacifist. Like, mm-hmm. it is maybe maybe he is an algorithm. You know, uh, ah, that is yeah. like just processing this data and being like, yes, this is another human experience that I had when in which my sister was shoved. I had to choke this MF out. So, I don't know. Sippy cup. That is the thing that oh, people I was gonna drink ask, out of. What is a very Canadian movie in the vein of what Jack's talking about? Like, if for people to, like, to you as a Canadian, because I want you to be uh-huh. able to sort of put me on to be like, okay, what Jack is talking about yeah. is summed up in, a, in these films or this so, director's work. Uh, okay, so <laughs> here's the thing. I'm from... Quebec, which means that I, my like movie references are all like extremely French. Sure. Or like Quebecois, rather. Mm -hmm. Actually, my mother will be very upset at me for saying that they're French, but they're like in a French language, they're francophone. So, and like Quebecois movies are actually like they win Palme d'Or all the time. They're like at Cannes all the time. They're like actually very good movies, except for a few stinkers. I don't know. I have like favorite Anglophone Canadian movies, but I don't know if I've been paying attention to the terrible ones because like. Or not even why? terrible, but I guess like what's. uh Yeah, I mean, anything because I think every so one time of my I... favorite really random Canadian movies is called Men with Brooms. And it is okay. a movie about a guy who makes like a curling comeback. Wow. Um, <laughs> oh, I love this shit. Yes. It is so good. Uh, highly recommended. Definitely worth your time. He was like a small town guy. He used to be really good. Something traumatic oh, happens. Redemption he, like, story. And like people are just trying to get him to play again. Uh, Men with Brooms is a very good movie. Um, one that crossed over was uh, onto American TV and then like really made an impression was 1989's Teen Witch, which mm-hmm. is about a teen witch, um, a high school <laughs> oh, okay. nerd so it's, it's who's. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just that that's one worth checking out. How Did This Get Made covers these movies sometimes. Uh, one called Little Italy is uh, a classic that they've uh, talked about and has beca- taken on like lore. And they, they've talked about it being like a very Canadian movie. Um, mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. I, so those I, I are just, a couple to check out. The ones on. I, the times I've interacted with a Canadian film would be like when I'm like just binging Christmas movies because I'll watch like anything that has snow in the cover. Mm, and sure. that's when I've crossed over into being like, oh, wait, this is okay. Yes, there, this is Canadian. Because you can tell like there's subtleties it's in how- It's got a flavor. It's got yeah, a flavor. Yeah, it's got a flavor that like I, if but a Canadian Christmas movie hits even harder because it's like got the- the warmth of like Canadian the culture. sincerity is the yeah, thing. and even and and even though it's like a campy movie, it's like it's so sincere that it fries my circuits a little bit because I'm used to seeing like agro American camp bullshit, yeah. and this one like you're like I don't is is real sincerity or <laughs> fake? I don't it's startling, know. right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I but that's when I, I know instantly when I'm watching. Like, oh, this one's Canadian. I like it. I have to find this rom-com that I watched because it had like movie stars in it to the point that I was like, why don't, why don't I know about this? But I think it was only released widely in Canada. Um, and it was like made with the Canadian like government's, uh, funding and I'll find it for a future episode, but it's, it's just like an alternate reality. 
where was it Mambo you... Italiano? I don't think it was. No, and it I, wasn't I, my I, big fat Greek wedding. No, 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 no. All right. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll find uh, it for for uh, people that are interested. You can I think watch Men with Brooms on Prime. Oh. Oh right. hey. Great. I have to. I have based on that. I'm like I have to see this. I have to see this. I yeah. Watch this. it. Watch it. <laughs> it got a, uh, a nomination for the Genie Award for Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading award- Role. What's a Genie Award? <laughs> don't act it's like one you of don't the, know It's like the Canadian Oscars, right? Like, oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, the Academy <laughs> of Canadian yeah. Cinema and Television. Yeah, it's, okay, like, okay. it's like the Canadian... It's like the Junos are like our music awards. Right, right, right. So nice. like Tegan and Sarah have won a bunch of Junos, you know, mm-hmm. the new pornographers, Sh- those kinds of bands. Shout out Much Music, you know. Oh yeah, man. You know yes, I mean? thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh Miles, you you were saying the other day that even though we've stopped our uh rewatch segment, you've continued watching stuff on Netflix in the Netflix top 10. Yeah, uh, I just wanted yeah. to give you an opportunity to I I'm still <laughs> making my way through uh The Last Airbender, uh, okay. almost almost through it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh I appreciate everybody who recommended it to me. Appreciate y'all. Great show. Thank y'all. Uh but what what are some of the newer shows that you've been watching? Well, I had, I had to again, you know me. I like the holiday movies. I watched Holiday nice. uh, with it Emma good? Roberts. Yeah, I mean it, like I haven't met a holiday film I won't sit through the entire thing. Even if I'm like screaming how bad it is. I don't know why I just have the patience. I'm like, wow. yeah, but I know they will be together, but I just gotta make sure that's what happens. <laughs> like even though it's okay. they're so formulaic, it's just so weird how I'm like, interesting. I know it I think it's also comforting because they're so predictable that you'll never right. have to be you can you don't have to be too engaged. But yeah, holiday was fun. As I was saying the week before. It's written in a way, though, where I was getting mad at the writer for some of the jokes they were writing because they just didn't tonally jibe with, like, what was happening in the story or what the sort of aesthetic of the film was. Mm. So, like, suddenly it'd be, like, a very blue joke. And I'm like, that was so out of left field. (laughs) And it just seems like you did that to, like, laugh at something you wrote on the paper. Um, But still worth watching uh, if you like holiday films. But the thing that I've been watching a lot is Instant Hotel which is this Australian show where people like have homes they want to Airbnb, but it turns into like the cattiest shit where it'll be like five couples or five pairings of people who own a property and they want to make it an Airbnb or instant hotel. And these couples all stay at each other's homes, like while the host couple won't be there, but the other three competing people will be there. And then they start Mm. like raiding it. So some people have like really interesting houses. Like this one couple had like a house that was like in an old mine, like a dugout mine. So it's like actually like a cave house, which is really kind of cool. But then they're like these hoity-toity like Australian people. Like it feels like a bit of a dustbin in here. So I don't really, I can't really <laughs> wow. ride it that high. So and like and then like the people get. It's funny because at a certain point. They, they'll tell the other people how they were talking about their homes. And people get very, you know, they take it very personally, especially when it's like their own I homes. I mean, yeah. So, like, people will, like, start crying, like, and I don't mean to cry because I know it's just a writing and it's not really to be do with me, but it's really hard to hear something like that <laughs> about my home. And it's just funny to watch these people, like, I start watching it too, and I'm like, "Oh, I would start talking shit about this or this or this." So I don't know. It's it's a it's a fun way to escape and just look at like the landscapes of another country because truly, like, they'll go from 
every sort of landscape in Australia too, right. where some's the outback and then it's like a rainforest and then a beach and town. You're they like, have this a is... desert. Like their yeah. like, their ecosystems are out of control. So varied, so varied. So yeah, that's another one I think is if you like if you want to watch people talk catty about each other's homes, that could be Airbnb <laughs> instant hotel. It's well, I mean, something. we're at a time where like you can't go inside anybody's homes. Yeah. Really. Like, I could see the attraction. I don't think I'm going to watch it, but, like, I, I see no, that. You don't have to. Yeah, yeah. I see it. Yeah, I'll wait for it to become a worse American version of that show. Oh, uh, <laughs> dude, the American Great. version would be so fucked up because there is a bit of gamesmanship. Like, yeah, if you rate someone's home lower, you have a better chance of your home getting to, like, the grand final, which is really, like, they give you, like, 10 grand to, like, fix your home up based on what other people said, and then you can win, like, a larger prize. But... I could see Americans being on the show who are so cynical and like just prize focused at the expense of their own humanity or being kind to another right. person that they'd be like, oh, this zeros. I give this zeros. I give my place 10. <laughs> this place zeros. No, I win. I win. I win. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but there's just, there, yeah, there, it's a bit of travel, a bit of entering people's homes. So, yeah, it does have a, a, you know, a little bit of everything in it. Ariel, is there anything you've been binging or binged that you'd recommend? <laughs> Um, I I recommend rewatching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I hey. am uh, that's where I'm at right now. It's my comfort watch. Um, yeah. I finally convinced my wife, who has been extremely resistant to watching this show, she's not necessarily um into like action and fighting, and like neither am I. Like that's not why I watch this show. Um, and I finally convinced her. She's finally hooked. This is good, guys. Like I feel like I'm like in like. TV-wise, I'm living my best life because I get to go. rewatch one of my favorite childhood shows with with the love of my life. So it's it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Stacey Abrams even came through with her Buffy takes on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Uh, which oh, I was my like, God, okay, really? Stacey? That's so great. I like oh, yeah. She, yo, now. go on Twitter. She fucking, she's in it. She's oh, in it. She's talking yes. about how Angel was the best boyfriend for Buffy at the time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yes, uh, yes, that is that is, and you know, she she writes romance novels, so like she would know how to complicate yeah. a romance and how to talk about that stuff. So yes, I will go on Twitter. I and was, check that out. I'm probably like your wife, where uh, my partner, Her Majesty, she loves Buffy, and she's mm. like in the beginning of quarantine, she's like, fine, I'll watch fucking Sopranos, but you got to watch <laughs> Buffy, and I'm like, deal. <laughs> Right. Uh, and in the beginning, I was like, what's going on? She's like, okay, look, season one's campy. Okay, the vibe's right, right. a little bit Don't different. watch season one. So can I, if yes. I, permit me to give some advice no, to your partner? No, you, you do not need any. Yes, please. Um, The place where I managed to get my wife actually interested was season four. Wow. So I, I think what's going to happen it. is we're going to, we're, we're now in season five. We're going to keep watching and then we're going to have to go back and then we're also going to watch Angel's series as well. Right, as one um, does. But yeah, no, it, it is it is hard. Like you and we started at the middle of season four, actually, and that got her hooked. I wow. we started I what, with the around. episode Hush. At the beginning, I was like, I get it. Like I see what's fun, and then you see like sort of like the morality tales that are like woven into them, which is especially interesting when like what they're using to talk about like whether it's like an unstable home life or whatever, but the allegory of like a demon or like a ghost mom who's a cheerleader. Uh but the other thing, the one that got me was once more with feeling. The musical episode, uh, yeah, 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 because yeah. I was that, like, that "What great. the fuck?" And I'm like, "Yo, this show got range," and that's what mm. that was. That's where I bought in, and I was like, "Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll see the other stuff." Oh, okay, so they, you're already bought in. The... She doesn't like your partner doesn't. Need oh no, I'm, advice. I'm, I'm bought in. I'm bought in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm all good. right, I'm okay, good. okay. I'm good. Then yeah, I once more with feeling. Why did you even let me do that? That's like so. <laughs> oh, I think well, for I think for most people too, because it's true. Like, if you are trying to get people in the Buffy verse, 
you know, season one's a little bit different, but I appreciated yeah, that because I, I was willing to be like, sit, you know, like you got to, pre- you want to see the whole thing. So I'm a Yeah, my personal advice is start with uh, season four. The episode is called Hush, and it's one of the only episodes of Buffy that was nominated for an Emmy in write, uh, not, is it not Emmy? Yes, an Emmy in writing. Um, it's fantastic. A genie, I think, yes. <laughs> Genie, <yes. laughs> uh, Ariel, it's been so fun having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Where can people find you and follow you? Well, number one is I am the host of my own podcast. Uh, yeah. The podcast is called Vice News Reports. It is a documentary style news podcast. It's not like news news in the way that like this podcast is, for instance. Oh, uh, stop. We, we... <laughs> bullshit talk. But no, no, but like not to take away from that. Everybody needs that. It, what I'm saying is that it's complimentary, <laughs> right? right? It right. is <laughs> It is a complimentary listen. So we take deep dives. We have a lot of field audio. It just launched. I think, you know, if I can say this myself, I think it's really good. Um, so Vice News Reports is number one. Subscribe to that. Um, leave us a review, you know. Yeah. Um, and otherwise, Twitter, I'm at ADRS on Twitter. Wow. Nice. Early adopter. Yeah. Zeitgang, please uh, check the show out because it is fantastic. And I think yeah, yeah. For a good uh, companion to this where we talk the nonsense and then go hear <laughs> really intelligent people with journalistic integrity give you some more insight. What's journalism again? I've never, never heard that word before. Uh, mm-hmm. what is, what is the something thing our parents wish we did? <laughs> uh, what is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Uh, I mean, <laughs> when, when you guys asked me about this, like the first thing that came to mind from this week was, was, you know, cause everybody was like very much on this four seasons landscaping thing. Um, and listen, I'm here for that joke. I, I think it's great. And also I like a good contrarian viewpoint. Um, and my good friend and a fellow podcaster, Rose Evleth, tweeted out, like, for every Four Seasons total landscaping shirt you purchase, I hope you're donating an equivalent amount to an actual cause. And you know what? It's it's kind of like takes the fun out of out of the story, but I appreciate it. You know, it's yeah. a good reminder. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you shouldn't be spending all your money on a joke T-shirt when actually they're like everything is on fire. Yeah. Mm. And, and there are races that money should be poured into in Georgia. Uh, right. That could actually, you know, help move some things in a proper direction for sure. Uh, Miles, where can people find you? What's tweet you've been enjoying? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Miles of Gray and also the other podcast for 20 Day Fiance. Talking 90 Day Fiance, which is just, you know, a great salve on our reality wounds. Uh, let's see. Another uh, a tweet that I like. Yeah, two from Reductress. First one, mom who blames young people for spreading COVID-19 also demands you fly home for Thanksgiving during pandemic. Mm. Uh, Very, very true. And one other one uh, is study 12 donuts too much, six donuts, not enough, which feels (laughs) right because I can, whenever I get a dozen donuts, I get through three donuts instantly. Like the first donut is actually three. And then I'm like, oh, I've had three. And then I'm like, well, then what's four and five? And it's it's, it's a slippery slope. So if you're if you're out there, donut gang, you know we see you. Yeah, eight eight is a good. Uh, and I think uh, what something that doctors all agree is a perfect amount of donuts. You, you eight can... donuts a day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> that's that's totally. what they say. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do you think that I have you ever actually polished off a full dozen like in one day? 
Because I have. No, I don't think I But have. I've used the argument around 9 p.m. when there's three left that, <laughs> well, you know, these shits are going to be bad tomorrow morning. So, yeah. like, you I might mean, as well just get wrong, it in now. Right? Like, yeah. nobody likes a dry donut. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, I don't know. To each their own. I have eaten, like, a trash bag full of Reese's cups in, in the past month. So, uh, right. like, in a single night. So, yeah, it's not because <laughs> I have better sense than that. I just haven't had the opportunity. I'm, uh, I'm just at a different wavelength. I'm more of the <laughs> garbage bag full of Reese's. Vibe. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm more in that phase of my life. Uh, tweet I enjoyed, Garaji P. Henson said, I used to think Dr. Dre said, looking like I'm Rob Liberace instead of looking like <laughs> I robbed Liberace. That's pretty much all you got to know about me. I always thought it was looking like a mob Liberace. So this wow. was... I didn't realize it was Yo, I Rob Liberace. Rob better Li- there. Yo, where's Rob Liberace? <laughs> Looking like I'm Rob Liberace. Uh, and then yeah. Charlie uh, at Berlant Bro uh, tweeted, one of my students just said, uh, seltzer tastes like when you, your foot falls asleep. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Uh, oh, shit, like the little pins and needles? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Topo wow. Chico. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnote. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on Miles. What are we riding into this week? Upon, uh, we're talking about the state of Michigan a bit. A producer who I like, who's, I mean, he's lived in Michigan for a while, and I don't know if he'll say he's from Michigan, but Sango, who I've played a few of his tracks before, but there's a new one called Benu State from Sango. It's got you know good rhythms to start your week. Uh, just keep your energy up and you know, keep that momentum going, do good around you. Right, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to y'all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.